What is up, fine folks? Welcome back. This is episode four of Double Tapped. I'm Jay. I'm Tanner. Tanner, we are having ourselves some fine Mad Tree Lift Crisp Golden Ale. Oh, I did not know this was a crisp golden yeah, ale, exactly. whatever that Cole means. style. Get, hear, some good ASMR for the people. Yeah. All right. Oh. Not bad. Oh, oh a little double. that was good. That was good. This is a Kolsch style ale. Mm. Matchery is a Cincinnati brewery. Ooh, so pretty I like local. It. Uh, yeah, I knew I had had a Kolsch style before. Good mm. light, crisp, summery, springy. And today it's actually borderline hot yeah, in our neck little, of the woods. It's a little warm. So I, I was like, this it. would be a good, good for the old palate. Anyway, Tanner, what you've been playing? A lot of stuff. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of been too. Nice, bouncing oh, around. We got a lot to talk about. So I, uh, I did my 12 hour stream yesterday, uh, celebrating six years of streaming, which mm-hmm. someone told me was 24 percent of my life, and I had a crisis about <laughs> it for a second. Uh, so yesterday I played Moonlighter, which has been a a game that I've been absolutely loving again. Have I talked to you about Moonlighter? No, before? you haven't. Okay, uh, I'll just run down what I played yesterday. Okay. So uh, Moonlighter tried it. Tried Knockout City the heck is that well i guess we can get to we'll it, get but. to it and hitman 3 yeah um along with the perpetual rocket league that i keep of course playing. but uh so i'll start from the top there moonlighter or we could go back and forth if you want that's fine too uh moonlighter is an indie game that i played originally on game pass whenever i had like six months of game pass for free and it is a roguelite dungeon crawler uh sort of top down almost looks like a link to the past binding of isaac mm-hmm. style combat uh, but it is a roguelite, meaning you progress over time, not a roguelike, sure. like Binding of Isaac, which is just you always start from nothing. Um, the cool part about it is that you run this shop. And so it's half roguelite dungeon crawler, half like shop manager. Mm-hmm. But it's not super intense. It's just uh, you go into the dungeons, you try to get out and get as far as you can and get out with as much inventory as you can. Then you go back the next day and you sell it. Right. And then you can use that money to buy upgrades, to go deeper, to get more expensive stuff. And there are four main dungeon types, uh, or I guess five, but I haven't unlocked the fourth or the fifth yet. And they each have three floors. There's a big final boss, and then you go to the next area. Really good gameplay. Soundtrack's really nice. The art style, it's like a... It's pixel art, but not... It's very well-defined pixel art. It's not like 8-bit or something. Mm. It's like... It's beautiful. Um, that game's really, really good. So that's the f- the first game I've been playing, and it just has its hooks in me, and I just really enjoy streaming it. A yeah. Lot. You keep going. There's one thing that I've primarily been playing. Okay. And I'm going to touch back on the other thing when we get to my recommendations. Ah, okay, later. okay, cool. So, um, so the second game, <clears throat> Knockout City. You may have seen a trailer for this. This is the dodgeball game. Mm. So. Okay. It's free beta was this weekend. Uh, I think it's ending today. And it's on everything. It's on PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, Switch. Even though it it debuted a direct. That was a lot of Ds. It did. (laughs) I I added about seven. Yeah, it did. I added about seven. Uh, (laughs) But it it debuted a direct with one of the worst trailers for a game I've ever seen. (laughs) Because they did it. I don't know if you remember this. We watched, or I think we both watched this direct. But I believe so. Now I know what you're talking about. It was the one that had like an orc. And they were like, oh, I love playing Knockout City. And then it was like some like stealthy lady she's like when i play knockout city blah blah these are not characters in the game but it felt like a mobile yeah, ad yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what i'm talking about like the clash this. of clans yeah. like oh in my clash or whatever that's what it felt like and it was terrible it made no sense that is not how you advertise this game this game is fun as hell 
because it, lo- it gave off vibes of like the Splatoon or Arms sort yes, of style. It, so it's not a battle royale. That's some. That's a common misconception that I had going in. That mm-hmm. a few people in chat were like, "Wait, I thought this was battle royale." It's not. It's just multiplayer, three v three, and then there's also a one v one mode that's not as fun. But basically, it is dodgeball. Um, there are different types of dodgeballs that are m- more powerful. So like, you can put somebody in a cage. Right. You can get a bomb one, whatever. Um, but the main mechanic is either just throwing or catching the dodgeball. Mm-hmm. And it's so frenetic pace wise. It's like just, that. it's so chaotic. And I <clears> was pulling off, I, I played for three hours yesterday. By hour three, I was pulling off some insane, like, 3v1 thing. <laughs> so the game does a good job of teaching itself to you just by playing. Um, there's there's a lot more nuance than I expected in a dodgeball game where you your your teammates can turn it there are only so many balls on the court um which are just like these maps but uh they're like city maps they don't look mm-hmm. like a court but your teammates can turn into a ball and so you can throw your teammates can they then sort of guide themselves in any way no or no, no. Just, okay the, the throws everything is pretty lock on okay so there's not a lot of aiming to it um but you can also power up your teammates. So you can power up your throw to do like a slow throw or like a really fast throw. If you power them up all the way, you turn them into a nuke. Nice. They go up into the sky and they can aim and fall down in a certain area and come down and get a KO. So it's like the first team to 10 in rounds of three. Uh, structurally, it's very similar to like a Fortnite or something like that where, you know, there's there's daily challenges mm-hmm. and there's in, like skins. I think that's the motivator of the game. Um supposedly from what I've heard, I'm not sure if this is true. I've heard it's $20 when it comes out, but on the first day it's going to be free. And I, okay. I don't understand this. So I, I, that's what I've heard. I'm not sure if that's exactly true or not, but several people, a lot of whom were coming in just for that game, uh, were saying that. Yeah. So I guess that's a thing. I don't well, know. that's kind of like the, <clears throat> you get that locked in install base right there from the jump to sure. at least have, you know, some hype behind your game. I kind of understand it. I would also not be shocked if this easily becomes either a plus game or yeah. an Xbox Game Pass game right. or something of that ilk. Uh, the last game that I played yesterday was Hitman 3. Now, you spoke about Hitman 3. You got the platinum in it. Ad nauseum. Uh, yes, you spoke about it, I think, on our first episode or second episode. I believe it was early the on. first. Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, we're still very early on. But still, uh, so as per your recommendation, uh, I had been kind of on the lookout for Hitman 3. And you said if it goes on sale for a good price, get it. Uh, it's on sale right now for the spring sale for $45. I also had $11 left on a PlayStation gift card. So that made it like 32 yeah. bucks. For that price, I was like, I'm so in. It'll probably be on be around 30 for a long time. Yeah. Um, in probably like six months. But I really wanted to play it. I wanted to play it while there was still some sort of an install base on Twitch. Mm-hmm. And just from your glowing recommendation, I wanted to play it. I you gave it a huge recommendation, and I am still so impressed with yeah, this it's, game. Yeah, it's really impressive. It <laughs> was like I was kind of blown away. The first ep- uh, the the first episode, the first level. Is pretty basic. Yeah, it's a pretty basic Hitman level. It's cool. Tall you're structure. Like, it's uh, it never ceases to remind me of that. Having never watched a Fast and the Furious movie ever. Yeah. But remembering remembering that trailer for Fast and Furious Seven where they drive the Lamborghini from like one tall Dubai building to oh, another. Oh right, yeah. I always think of that. Not really relevant, but continue. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna move it. Go ahead. Um, but yeah, so the first level is kind of whatever. It's basically just showing you the ropes of how Hitman works. Yeah. Uh, the second level is the Knives Out level. Yeah. I had no idea it was that early in the game. And so people, I did the Knives Out level for two hours. Mm-hmm. I'd got every clue. I talked to every person I could. 
so we, we touched on this earlier, a little bit of spoilers, I guess, but basically in all of these Hitman levels, you can do different story paths. One of the story paths for the second level is that this lady has hired a private detective to come check something out at her mansion. Uh, you can very early on knock him out, assume his identity, and then act as the Which detective. question? How did you knock him out? So I... <laughs> Because he's in the very beginning of the it's level. It's kind of hard to get him isolated. Because there's a lot of guards. Yeah. Uh, I just shot the first two guards and then, <laughs> okay. and then choked, okay. choked him out. I didn't want to kill him, but that was the easiest way to do it. Um, but they're far enough away from everybody else that yeah. you can do it. But I, I was so dead set on playing that particular mission. And then it becomes a murder mystery. You literally... Very much. The only reason <clears throat> you're doing this is to get your target alone and like you know reveal the your findings to her. My favorite part about it is that I got alone in her room with her early on. Could have killed her and ended the level. Decided not to yeah. and finish out the mystery. And there is so incentive cool. to. Yes. There's two objectives to that level. If you finish it out, you can take them both out at the end. Yes. And yes. Get Which I didn't know. I, yeah. I wasn't aware of that. That was yeah. a really nice. Oh, I don't even have to do the second part thing. Yeah. Because I kind of had the same way because she was like, do you want this too? And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I do yeah, want yeah, that. Yeah. It was a cool revelation. And then the third level is the other marquee level that you told me about. Which is the, oh, the one, Berlin nightclub level, <laughs> right? Which is the one where you are sort of trying to find fellow hitmen yeah. among the sea of people. It's so good. That is maybe one of the most clever. We're going to turn the franchise on its head mm-hmm. moments uh, I've seen. I'm so excited to play more of it. I'm probably going to stream more of it this week, and uh, I just so impressed by it. it. It looks good. It plays super well. The gunplay is terrible exactly and it feels bad to like pull a trigger especially with the dual sense controllers they've done a thing where uh with the haptic feedback on the on the l2 and r2 whenever you pull a trigger it almost like stops a little bit it's like a you have to really commit to pulling the trigger which makes pulling it repeatedly really hard yeah and they just shy away so much from gunplay and and solving with the sort of puzzle pieces you're given it's so good yeah if your target is not standing completely still and you're not like just sitting there very delicately lining up your reticle to headshot them. You don't really want to shoot otherwise. No, like that's no. the main way you want to shoot. When you're here, you're family. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to follow midstream that's or mid, mid recording. That's so funny. I don't even know why that played an alert. That alert box isn't even live. Okay. Well, whatever. Thanks random person. Yeah, that might be edited out. We'll see. Uh, so I like you, I continue to dabble in the rocket league. Yep. I have ascended to platinum rank in Rumble. Oh, nice. Enough. Very nice. I still am middling in the gold ranks in my 1v1 duels, mm. which I'm like, every time I claw, it's so weird. I never know what to expect. Yeah. I'm either beating someone within an inch of their life. Right. It's never back and forth either. If it's yeah. if it's a close game, it's they get up for nothing, and then I somehow <laughs> come all the way back. Nice. Or I'm getting blown out. Like right, it's, yeah. I never know what to expect. Yeah. But here's the weird game. Okay. That I've been playing a lot recently, just in the last couple of days. Injustice Two. Oh. It was interesting on uh, PlayStation Now. Okay. And I hadn't, you know, taken a deep dive into PlayStation Now in a while, so I checked it out, and I was like, you know, I really dug Injustice. Yeah. So, so uh, did I. I'm in a weird. I'm kind of in the mood for a superhero-y story. Okay. So I was like, I'll give it a shot. Because I still, I'm not good at these fighting games. I've never been good at Mortal Kombat. Wasn't really good at the first Injustice. Yeah. But I was like, I don't care. I'll play this on easy and just enjoy the ride. Right. And I have been enjoying the ride. Oh, There's so many characters. Really? Like, 
some very obscure DC characters that I only like very cursorily had any knowledge oh, of. Oh, nice. Um, Captain Cold, uh, Cheetah's in this one. Okay, nice. Christopher um, Lee. There's just a lot. And Brainiac is the main bad guy, oh, which cool. has given me some weird. I'm like, kind of odd that the Suicide Squad uh, game from Rocksteady would turn around and reuse Brainiac so quickly after yeah, this. Yeah, that's did. interesting. Um, so we'll see who. Something tells me Rocksteady might do it better. <laughs> yeah, but this, we'll just have to see. This story, I will say, I I really enjoyed Injustice One, mm-hmm. uh, especially as just like a fun comic book story yeah. alongside all the all the fights, but. I don't think the story is like the main draw of that game, whereas Rocksteady, I think it's going to be a little bit more focused. Yeah, and on we're so. like in the first one, Superman's the full bore bad guy. Yeah, and of course, there's like the alternate, like two Earths. Like, there's a good Superman, there's a bad Superman, but yeah. Superman is the bad guy. It, from what I've played so far, I'm about halfway through the story. He's still very clearly. Oh wow! And okay. I'm kind of waiting. I'm like, because Brainiac's the bad guy. I'm sort of waiting for like a Superman turn, him and Batman to sort of reconcile, but it hasn't yeah. come yet. And I'm wondering if it will, hmm. or if the they're potentially just going to play it out and maybe eventually do a third game. Yeah. Who knows? Tanner, let's talk about some news. News. We have an obituary to discuss. Oh, no. Mario oh. is dead. <laughs> oh, RIP Mario. On March 31st, Mario officially died. Yeah. Super Mario 3D All-Stars was removed from the Nintendo Switch store. Tanner, what are your thoughts? Uh, I have how, a, how, I, let's pay homage to this fallen hero. Yes. I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, also, I saw something that other Mario titles were being removed from s- separate eShops. What I was, was hearing that about? Some, I didn't get like a ton of detail. Let me, I'll dig into it. Okay. I was, yeah. All right. Uh, so I have a lot of thoughts about this. I tweeted about this when it happened. Uh, and we, we've known this was going to happen for a while. To be fair, Nintendo did say this is only going to be out for a limited time. Uh, here is the end date, March 31st, and it was the end date. They didn't move on that. Uh, you know, they were very transparent with their, at least that this was happening. That being said, uh, I don't understand why. There, This seems, if there are two sort of cynical reactions I had to this. Uh, the first of which being, I mean, Nintendo loves creating scarcity. That is their favorite thing to do. They did it with the Switch release. They did it with Amiibo. They do it with all their special editions. They love scarcity. I don't really understand how it helps them other than it keeps your console at the same price for a longer time. I get that, and your games are always going to be at a higher price, and I guess that's the sort of rub. But to me, it's like, why would you not want to do the PS... Or Well, I guess PS5 couldn't even keep in stock, but why would you not want to do the thing where anyone who wants your console can get one, especially early on? That part I don't understand. But Nintendo is known for their sort of scarcity model. This just seems like the furthest extreme of this that we've seen so far yeah it seems to be that the other game that they're referring to is super mario 35 the battle royal where you oh that's gone now yeah because those two games were sort of teased yeah, at they the were same tied. time and sort of it was the super mario uh 35th anniversary yes. yeah it was 35th anniversary um i'm with you that this is an incredibly bizarre thing for nintendo to do yeah um just because why kill a really and this is still like that's an exclusive game yeah. it's three games that are old and you know just pretty much remasters but this is an exclusive game that was really bolstering your first party lineup it's and a you're draw just, to your system and you've omitted it completely like it's very yeah. strange Super Mario 35 like I can see that being a kind of a one off little that's gimmicky fine, thing yeah. but that's truly like three of your tentpole games that were re-releasing now you're just saying nope there's no way now, will they ever bring them back out of the vault? Almost yes. certainly. Yes, they will. W- you can never predict yeah. when that's going to be. So 
It's very bizarre. Here are my two cynical possible whys. The first one being they wanted to experiment and they wanted to see if we tell people there's a deadline, will we increase sales in the six months Mm. or whatever? Because I bought it when it first came out, not because I knew I couldn't get it later, but because I wanted to play those games. But I even thought I was like, well, what if I wanted to buy this six months from now? I can't. Okay, I guess I have to buy it now. And I know a lot of people who bought it in last week thinking, well, if I can't get it any other time, I have to get it now. My other cynical thought is they don't want a price comparison point for potential Zelda remasters. Oh. Uh, because there's been a long-standing rumor that alongside sure. Skyward Sword, they're bringing Twilight Princess and Wind Waker to Switch. And my thought being they want to charge $60 for each individual game. Mm. And seeing on the eShop... Well, I could get all three Mario games for $60 combined. Why would I want to spend $180 on these Zelda games? That could be their other point. Also, as part of that other possible why, they go, oh, we're bringing the Mario games back, but now they're $60 each. Yeah. That is that is my true cynical reaction. It may be overly cynical, but Nintendo has proven time and time again they love making money in strange ways, and I wouldn't be surprised. I know a lot of people are comparing this to Disney, with yeah, the with sort of like Disney vault thing. But I think it's a different situation because Disney, especially now with the streaming service, there's always been a way you could watch their films. But mm-hmm. especially now, like even if they do a vault re-release that's like remastered or 4K Blu-ray, whatever, you can still go watch Sleeping Beauty if you want. Where it's like if you on a modern device, yeah. if you don't own an N64 and you want to play Super Mario 64 or, or 3DS or whichever it was on, um, you can't with a modern device. You cannot play 64 on a Switch right now if you don't own it already. Mm-hmm. And like that part is so frustrating to me. Uh, and like you said, it's a draw to the Switch. I'm sure there are people, maybe they're like in their 40s and they're just nostalgic for a Mario game six months from now. They're like, wait, I saw that Super Mario 64 was on Switch. I'll go buy a Switch to do that. And now they can't because it's not available. I think you're right that it's probably just a testing ground for future re-releases and that sort of thing. Yeah. I will say though, and, you know, far be it from me to predict what Nintendo is going to do. Yeah, we are not experts. But I that. would be shocked if they re-release any of those Mario games or any of the Zelda games for a full $60. I think Skyward Sword is a 6 Well, Skyward Sword, they've you know, is a full-on... It's a remaster. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if they do any sort of, you know, simpler port, mm. or, I, I don't know, I could see them being more like $40 standalone titles, but... Sure. $60 would be... Both surprising and unsurprising. Yeah, so, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Who knows? But let's talk a little bit more about games that are soon to be unavailable. Well, uh, PlayStation has officially announced that the PS3, PSP, and PS Vita stores, my beloved, will officially close down this summer. Yeah. R.I.P. to more than just Mario. <laughs> uh, so this story has been circulating for a little while there now. There were rumors, yes. Uh, but they officially announced, hey, all those stores are closing. Now, from my understanding, there will still be ways to digitally buy these games through the browser store, is that correct? And then you can download it to your... Because you won't... So the thing is, you can't buy new games, but you will still be able to download games that you have in your library. Yes. Uh, so I don't know if that's true or not, Don't I, but I've, I've heard that you will still be able to buy some games through like I guess if it's like a cross play PS4 PS3 and you buy it on the PS4 you could probably download it on PS3 mm-hmm. but um, I, this was coming at some point I feel like I just it, I'm surprised it came for the Vita yeah the Vita is the surprising one because there's so many games 
because the PS4 is obviously still doing well and still alive. And there's so many games that are PS4 Vita cross by. Yeah. Uh, and it being their last sort of handheld that they made. I guess they just weren't seeing numbers that sure. were driving Vita sales. Yeah, um, it's purely a business decision. Like, it has to be. Yeah, and I don't know how expensive it is to maintain the store. I'm sure you have to employ people to do it and, and you know, separate certifications for developers and things like that. But And you don't get the money from developers mm. applying to cert and stuff like that. So I'm sure there is a, a money loss situation there. Um, the PS3 one's not surprising to me. That PS3 interface was awful it as was. a storefront anyway. My curiosity now almost comes from, will there be a an insane sale on PS3, PSP, and Vita games? That would be interesting. Because I, I don't know why they wouldn't do that. Like, if you're a developer, because um, I don't know exactly how, like, sales are. I don't know if Sony comes to certain developers or publishers and saying, like, hey, we're doing a sale in the spring. Do you want to be on it? Do you want to set your prices? Or if it's more the developer says, hey, next week, set my game to this price. Yeah. I'm sure it's more the former, but... Uh, you know, why would you not set your game to a dollar or something on PS3? If you're never going to be able to make money from it again yeah. on PS3, why not? The Doorbusters, like, furniture store yeah, sale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everything must go. I already have my eye on, I'm like, because there are a few games that are, you know, people have mentioned are, it will be inaccessible via any other method if you don't buy them right now. One, sure. of, one, one of them is Infamous Festival of Blood. Uh, oh, the Infamous right. Infamous 2 DLC. Now, am I going to go pony up, however... Surely that that can't be. I mean, maybe twenty dollars at the max. Yeah, nineteen ninety nine was what I was thinking. I'm not going to spend twenty dollars on Infamous Two DLC right now. Um, However, there is one thing that I have my eye on. I almost broke out my OG PS3 that I have sitting under my TV the other night to go figure out and buy this. Okay, and that is, and we'll talk more about this later. But did you know that there is a Dragon Ball Z Budokai? remastered trilogy on the PS3. No, I didn't. It's but it, it says remastered trilogy and yet it's only 1 and 3. They what? skipped 2 for some reason. That's bizarre. I don't know why, but I'm thinking long and hard about going and buying it. <laughs> I mean, um if you ever think of that to play if it. If there's no other way to get it, I'm like I'm not going to go shell out the 40 something dollars someone's going to charge me on like eBay for right. like a used copy of it. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's the thing too. I wonder if PS3 games will go up in value now because or will of they this? start folding more and more of them into like PS Now and that sort of thing. You have sure. to assume that some level There's of that is coming. Yeah. Uh I will say though like I kind of my heart breaks for games like uh Journey, which I'm sure has had a physical release now at this point, but like the sort of PS3 was really the start, and especially with Vita too. Um, the like the the fact the PSP story isn't surprising to no. me, and like I'm surprised that one was still alive. I, to begin same with. here, but it must have just been folded into other stuff. But PS3 and Vita specifically were like the rise of sort of the downloadable indies. That Very was much. or that was the time period, right? I mean, Xbox Live was the reason that started happening. But um, you know, that was that was sort of the the rise of downloadable games as a whole. So this is really the first stone to fall in that in that regard where now we can't get to some of those games your journeys even like walking dead season one and yeah and th- just things like that that aren't you know didn't get a full release i do i i am sad for people who won't get to try those out yeah and i'm sad because that the vita was definitely an opportunity for very small developers to publish a game that was you know it was sort of a low risk low reward scenario where like yeah place was like yeah we'll have your game publish it on just vita yeah. You know, places like that. Um, it was a good opportunity for some publicity for studios that might not have otherwise gotten it anywhere else. I will say, if you own a Vita and you don't own the game Severed, 
It's a drink box game. Uh, it's fantastic, and it's I think it's playable now on other devices like Switch and iOS, but in the PlayStation ecosystem, it's only available on Vita because it has a touch interface. Mm-hmm. Pick it up. Severed's awesome. And also, one of the best games in the Vita. If you don't have a Vita, and obviously, you you need to get your hands on one right now, <laughs> I'll sell you mine for like $200. <laughs> so I would consider this a pretty big L for Sony. Yeah. A lot of confusion. Yeah, you know? for sure. Let's talk about another big L for Sony. Oh, no. Tanner, this blew me away. Okay. And I know it kind of blew you away, too. MLB The Show. Oh, yeah. Is coming to Xbox Game Pass. What? <laughs> yeah, this is this is wild. So, uh, if you don't know. It's incredible. MLB The Show has a long time, is, is made by Sony San Diego. Diego, yes. Because uh, Santa Monica's got a I always get them confused, too. <laughs> uh, Sony San Diego. I can see the little SD logo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is the only premier MLB game out there, uh, and for a long time, it has been PlayStation exclusive. I think all of last generation and some of the generation before, it was the marquee MLB game, and actually drives more PlayStation sales than you might think, because there are people who, like, I just want to play Madden and the MLB game, I'm going to get a PlayStation. Uh, For the first time in forever, I think it was like 20 years or something, uh, MLB The Show was announced that it was coming to Xbox, still published by Sony, so there's going to be an Xbox case of MLB The Show with a PlayStation logo on it. They have also now shown the uh, in the trailer. Have you seen this? No. There's a trailer out for MLB The Show for being on Xbox. And the first part of it is the Xbox like, whoom, and then it's the PlayStation, PlayStation logo. Studios, yeah. It's so weird. Um, so PlayStation is still publishing it, but they're bringing it to Microsoft, uh, bringing it to Xbox. But now it was recently announced that day one... MLB The Show is going to be on Game Pass. And we have never gotten, as PlayStation players, we have never gotten the show day one for free. No. Uh, Not for free. I know Game Pass is a different service, but it's not coming to the PlayStation equivalent now service. Yeah, and it's effectively for free. If you own like a Series X, if you're one of the early adopters of that, I would be shocked if you were not a subscriber to Game Pass. Yeah, I would too. Um, And so, yeah, it's, it's... Like, I'm excited for Xbox gamers that they get to finally try out this series and they don't even have to pay for it. Um, that's a genius move on Xbox's part. Yeah. And I would be really curious as to how this deal came even came about. See, that was what I was wondering. Do you think that it was a necessity that Sony knew this was going to happen? Or do you think that they could have agreed to publish it on Xbox and Xbox could have later made the decision to put it on Game Pass? I have to imagine that was part of the deal, right? I, w- I would think maybe, I know nothing about how this stuff happens, but as a spitball idea... Xbox probably said, well, because the rumor was that MLB was the driving force in mm-hmm. putting it on Xbox, right? Because they have always heard from their Xbox published. fans. Yeah. Yes. Because this is the only MLB licensed game. Uh, they've heard from their Xbox, or like marquee one. I know there's some other ones, but they've heard from their Xbox fans for a long time. Like, please bring a game to, to there. So MLB, from what I've heard, was like maybe thinking, maybe we don't go with PlayStation anymore. You know, maybe we go with a different studio. But San Diego was built to be the show's studio. Yeah, they churn those things out like crazy. And they're all always really well received, too. Like, I, I know a lot of people, our, our buddy Skinny included, who adored that game Spent series. 800 hours roughly playing that game really? last year, he did. Jeez. Uh, and a lot of people say it is the best sports game um, if you play all of them. So that's, I mean, that's a testament to how good those games are. But uh, I've kind of lost the, the original point. Oh, it, was it Microsoft or was it Sony? Yeah. I think... Xbox Xbox probably said, okay, here's our money on the table. 
for Game Pass, and Sony thought, yeah, why not? Like, you know, we're getting all this extra revenue in. We're going to get more revenue when people buy it on Xbox. There's definitely still a revenue sharing thing happening there. So Yeah, so uh, it's just interesting for Sony not to go... I guess they would just be too afraid of losing all the money on it Mm -hmm. because they're in a place where they want to offer money to games to come to now as opposed to doing that with their own internal games. And so it just shows how differently Xbox and PlayStation are approaching their titles, right? Where Xbox Xbox just wants you to get an Xbox, just wants you to be in the ecosystem. And now PlayStation is like, well, now you're in the ecosystem. We don't need to give this to you for free. Enough people will still buy it on PlayStation. We'll be fine. Um, so it's really interesting and, and a big win for Microsoft, but like you said, a, a, a big loss for Sony as yeah, well. Yeah, you have to wonder just what percentage of that casual audience is just, it's another notch in the belt of Xbox and they say, oh, I'll get this and then I'll try Halo and I'll try this. And yeah, it's exactly. Just, it's that slow burn that Xbox is really, they full on committed to it and kudos to them. I because, appreciate it, yeah. Like, I mean, I still think PlayStation 5 is probably going to win this generation, yeah, I think so, too. We'll see. But the next, I'm already, you know, suspicious about mm. the outlook going forward for PlayStation versus Xbox. So we'll see how that all plays out. We'll keep an eye on it. The last news story that I've got for you. Okay. The rumored and effectively was confirmed Cyberpunk 2077 multiplayer mode Oh. has been canceled. Oh. Yeah completely unsurprising yeah given the given state, the state of, of the game. continued state of the game yes uh it's so weird i was so i don't want to say i was so in yeah but i was almost so in i was pretty in. i was ready to buy it yeah and I then it just it. decided to be broken yes i don't know what to make of this game i've never <laughs> seen a game quite like this where it gets completely taken off the PlayStation store which is virtually unprecedented yeah for a game of this magnitude yeah is it still off the store still off the store no dates for it to return I mean the tentative date for it to have the full on next generation upgrade was supposed to be I think like summer of this mm. year literally no fast. chance of that happening yeah I don't know um, about that I'm I'm continued continually in awe of the state of this game as am I. Uh, yeah, I don't know anything about the multiplayer expansion, but uh, just as a platform to talk about this game, because yeah. uh, we've never talked about it on the podcast before, I pre-ordered this game, uh, and I was even still... I, I There was enough of a curiosity with me. I knew it was bad. I'd heard mostly it was bad on uh, older consoles. I had pre-ordered it for PC because I knew I was building a new PC and I wanted like a tentpole game to mm-hmm. run there. Uh, and it was still in the morbid curiosity phase of Twitch where it was like... People were just watching this game because it's silly. So yeah. I was like, I'll try it. Uh, went to scratch off my scratch code and it disintegrated and I couldn't read some of the level <laughs> letters. So if that's not the best zeitgeist of what Cyberpunk has been, uh, I refunded it through Amazon. But um, so I've, I've never played the game. I've heard I have a few close friends who have played it, uh, one of which my buddy Bree, she gave me a full review of it. Uh, and basically... I've heard it's a really good game once you can get past all the bugs, which is the the common narrative, right? Yeah. Um, that there's cool characters, there's cool story moments, the combat's pretty fun. Uh, but but I will say, most of the people that I know are playing it are playing it on PC. Mm-hmm. And I saw an article last week, two weeks ago, that said this game, after the most recent update, because they did a big update a couple of weeks ago, still has hundreds of bugs. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, how how defeating that must be for the studio itself, right? Like, how 
just for all the developers to go like, all right, we've got we we knocked it down from 150 to 130. Good job, everybody. Let's do the new the next two months of the next ten bugs. It's yeah. like I I feel I feel sorry in a way for CD Projekt. I don't feel sorry for the project managers and the people mm. who who uh, sort of accelerated the process. Sure, obviously pushed this out before it was ready. But I do feel project or, or I do feel uh, I do feel bad for the everyday developers working on this game because it's it's got to be so rough to see you know a certain section of your game that you love and then it's just cast all asunder by everything else around it. And I also feel bad for them a little bit because the fervor around this game was not necessarily their fault. You know, no people took the hype of this game and just ran with it like crazy. Yeah. And you know, there were, you know, the tweets that became memes of like people, you know, getting into some really granular aspects of like the character creation that yeah. and the developers are like, you just you need to roll it back there a little something like, yeah. don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, you know, people definitely took this game to be like the next generation of RPGs that it just sure. truly was never going to be. No, um, I don't think so. But you also, as a studio can in good faith release a game, at least on the last gen consoles that was genuinely in no state to be released and was completely broken and looked awful. Right. Um, so yeah, it's like it's partially on them. It's partially on people who took the hype way too seriously. Sure, it, but it's a lot on the stakeholders and the shareholders who pushed it way too fast. Yes, agreed. Uh, I I am I'm like you. I'm ever fascinated by this game. Um, I will say though, we kind of saw a, it just show it goes to show you how hype can be a negative thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this almost happened, and it did happen in, in regard with like The Last of Us Two, right? A, there was a certain subsect of the audience. Um, which I'm sure cyberpunk players would say the same thing. There's a certain subsect of the of the fan base that was like saying way too lofty stuff, right? Like this is going to be the greatest game of all time, and like they were they were saying such finite things before anyone had ever played it. Yeah. Uh, and I hope my my major hope for this is for those types of people. You know, even with The Last of Us Two, I I was very consistent in talking about it and leading up to it. I was just like I was I just hope it's good. That was my only hope. Like, as long as it's good, I'll be happy. Yeah. Um. You know, I wasn't going to be like, this is going to be better than the first one or anything. Because you don't know. I hope for the people who were so... I'm sorry that people were disappointed by this game. And a lot of people were. But I hope this is a reset of expectations of games for certain fans that, that do overhype things to a point where they could never meet those standards. Yeah. Right? And it's tough, too. Because, like, okay, The Last of Us 2 is an example where... It was pretty obvious that the game was going to be what good is a subjective term in the sense that the game was going to come out polished, well made. Yeah, you know, you know, knit and pick the story up and down if you really want to. Yeah. I choose not to nitpick it as much as a lot of people do. Yeah, nor do um, I. But then you look at okay, CD Projekt Red, last big game, The Witcher Three, one of the most lauded games of the last generation. So you're expecting still some level of at least technical consistency that just wasn't there. But yeah. You know, it was a true shift for that studio, whereas, you know, The Last of Us was, okay, we're making another third-person stealth action game that, like, this isn't that crazy of a leap, whereas Cyberpunk was a risk for CD Projekt Red. And I think to your point, uh, with Naughty Dog, there was, I think, I definitely think there was less of an expectation, not that there wasn't a huge expectation, but if we're ranking them, there was less of an expectation on Last of Us 2 than there was Cyberpunk. Sure. Simply because... uh, Naughty Dog has reached over time this status of very few developers. I think Rockstars at this point, very few others are, where they've been so consistently at least really good games wise 
that people just expected them to maintain that level. Mm -hmm. With CD Projekt Red, they go from The Witcher 2, which is like an okay whatever RPG, to Witcher 3, which is like this game of the year. People think it's the greatest RPG of that generation, all that kind of stuff. So people went, okay, if you went from Witcher 2 to this and did that much... What if you do that much again? Yeah, the and that exponential is, climb they were expecting was not there. And that's such a terrible expectation to put on anybody, especially when, like you said, they're completely changing their gameplay mechanics and the visuals and time period and all that kind of stuff. It's it was uh, you know it is easy to overhype things, um, and I don't want to I don't want it to sound like I don't want people to get excited about things. We just did a podcast about our most hype potential exactly. moments. We love hype, but overhyping can be dangerous for everyone involved. Definitely. But Cyberpunk, Tanner, that's set so far in the future. <laughs> Have you had a, a segue no, every, definitely just every came topic? To me. Nice. Oh, well, I, I try. Yeah, I like it. But sometimes, as people say, to go forward, you, you got to go, go back. back. This is going to be a very informal conversation. And we've been teasing it, you know, on and off for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, and the sort of framework that I wanted to discuss this around was... Were the games we played as kids actually good? Were you just miming out the title? Yeah. <laughs> nice. And so we're just going to hash through. Now, I made this point to Tanner. We're not going to be talking about your Super Mario 64s. Right. Uh, any of these like crazy lauded games. I made note of the Tony Hawk games. We talk a lot about Tony Hawk. I love Tony Hawk. Yeah. Lots of people love Tony Hawk. Right. We wanted some games that had at least some unique attachment to us as individuals. Right. Or a little bit more niche uh, perhaps a game that you could bring up and not everybody goes like, oh yeah, I love those games. Yeah. Like, or a game that, I think one example of mine specifically is a game that a lot of people know but a lot of people don't like that I did. Okay, right. And whether I can, I'm either gonna try to prove them wrong or acknowledge that they're right, right. but say that I love it anyway. Right. So it's that kind of setup. And we're just gonna go back and forth. Yeah, we've got, a, we've we've got, got a beers, we've got lists. Yeah, we got time. Jay, go ahead. I'm gonna save the first one here for the end because obviously I'm gonna <laughs> talk to death you know, a series of games that if you know me at all by now, you probably know what I'm going to talk about. Yeah. But I'm going to start with the game that I just alluded to. Okay. Which is Sonic Adventure 2. <laughs> Sonic Adventure 2 is an enigma. <laughs> like, I, I love it. Yeah. But it's so bad sometimes. <laughs> okay. Explain. The, so, Tanner, I just want you, because we were talking a little bit about this game before we came in here, and the question that you asked, which I think is a wonderful question, yeah, is when you, you said you were watching the Sonic games, yeah. and you see, you know, this very fast, frenetic, all this stuff going on, and you're like, okay, but like, are you actually, like, what do you actually do? How much do you contribute to this game? Because I've, I've played, like, I'm sure as a kid, I went over to a kid's house and they had Sonic or something, but uh, just watching the gameplay... Everything looks so on rails. That's like, yeah. what do you do here? What and there's the plenty of sequences doing? where you hit the like little star, like bouncy things, whatever yeah. those. I don't even know what the heck to call those. Those are the ones but that go, you like, bam, 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 and you bounce like eight times, and it's like ten seconds long. Where you're just at that point, you're not controlling anything. Okay, but you know, the best shining example of when that game is fun and some of the examples of when it's not are all in the first beautifully, you know strange level which is escape from the city rolling around at the speed and one of the greatest of songs in the history of video games <laughs> yeah you you proclaim this was a top 10 video game song all it time it might be personally to me <laughs> and it's, it speaks both to my game sensibilities and my music sensibilities for sure sure 
but you jump your okay you're sonic the freaking hedgehog <laughs> and you jump out of a helicopter on a makeshift <laughs> snowboard <laughs> and this pop punk starts playing yeah and you're just riding down you you're going fast but you're not really controlling your speed. It's all like your speed right. is consistent. It's like but an you're just trying runner. to hit ramps, do tricks, collect the rings, and you're just going. And it's just fun. You're just vibing. <laughs> it's like, just vibing. <laughs> but then, oh, you get off the board for a second. Yeah. And you go into these little sequences where <laughs> there are these weird flying robots, and I don't know where they came from. And you're okay. doing the like you're no longer going fast. All right. And anytime, if it's a Sonic game, you want to be going fast. Sure, yeah, that's the whole point. And now you're just walking around at the speed of walking, not at the speed of oh, sound. Oh, not sound. No, okay. <laughs> and you do these little moves where all you do is you jump and you hit a button and it auto-tracks you to hit these enemies. Okay. And you just kill them instantly. There's no, like, combat that's just <laughs> bam, bam. And you're just walking around doing this, all collecting right. the rings. Sounds like a blast. They're, the chows, like... These are the stupidest. I don't know why the chows are there. The chow garden, stupid. Okay, so the only, I have to say very quickly, the only thing that I know about this game specifically yeah. is I had a first cousin who would do the chow garden like every day. I would go, <laughs> he almost did a actually spit. looked after the chow. That's have, awesome. He almost did a spit take. Uh, I would go over to their house sometimes. They lived on the mountain in our hometown. Yeah. So they had like very little internet. It was just like just going back into the dark ages. Uh, that's not true. But they play. He would just we, before we would play like Smash or whatever. He'd be like, "Wait, I gotta check my Chow Garden real yeah. quick." And he would literally just show me the Chow Garden and like, "This is what my update's doing." It's like cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know I, what these are. To this day, I still don't really understand the Chow Garden. <laughs> Um, other than you just would find these chows. You like, could, like, breed them and shit. Some, yeah, you really could. Yeah, you could, actually. But, you know, that's another... Okay, maybe this game is, like, three quarters bad and maybe one quarter good. But the one quarter is really awesome. Love that one quarter. But the one quarter, like, you're Sonic or you're one of my personal favorite characters, Shadow. Yeah. Um, Who I said, who's that? Yeah. When he, when he appears. So we, just He's the, the apex life form. <laughs> Randy Orton? Just to preface, uh, Jay and I were sort of re-familiarating, re- <laughs> familiarating, re-familiarizing ourselves with some of these IP that we haven't seen in years. Yeah. Um, so we were just watching little video clips of, and then Shadow popped up, and I was like, "Who yeah. the fuck's that?" So this is one of those games that I acknowledge is tough to critically defend, mm. but the style and the time that it came out and the age that I was, it holds a very special place in my heart. But it's one of those games that I will acknowledge is bad lots of the time okay but all that to say you could make a really fun sonic game if you just streamlined it completely and you know i was never into the 2d sonics i was a little too old for 2d sonic i dipped my toes into sonic mania and i appreciate it and that's a lot more like if you could just 3d eyes that where it's Mm. your momentum is consistent it's more like you know the opening to City Escape where you're constantly just moving. Just make those levels bigger. Yeah. There's more downhill races. You could do fun, like, mini games that are just consistently, like, frenetic fast. There's potential. Mm. They just need to stop. I don't know. Because there's been so many bad Sonic games. Sonic 06 they need to stop being getting the weird and stay fast. <laughs> That's it. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't have anything to add because I've never played a Sonic game, but... Sonic Adventure 1, also fun. Hmm. Shout out to the Dreamcast. <laughs> nice. Shout out. Uh, a controller or a system I've never seen in person. Um, have no idea 
how a Dreamcast controller feels. It looks terrible. It does. It yeah, it was odd. Uh, so my first game is a game Jay had never heard of. Uh, I doubt many people listening to this have ever heard of it. It's called Mercury Meltdown, <laughs> uh, specifically Mercury Meltdown Remix. Oh, we should say we because I would have had some PS3 early PS3 generation stuff. We limited ourselves to PS2 and earlier, simply yeah. because we want sort of that. Are we looking back on them with rose tinted glasses, or is it more just uh, you know? Is it actually a good game? Uh, so Mercury Meltdown, my story with this game, and part of the fun of this is just going to be telling our stories yeah, in our relationship sure. to the game. Uh, I had a buddy growing up. Uh, it was not uncommon for us to go to, like, if my parents were going to the movie rental store, uh, which is no which no longer exists because those don't exist anymore, uh, but uh, they also had video game rentals. And so we would just look around at the PS2 rentals, and they had a deal that was like, you know, rent two movies, get a third free, but they would throw the game in so we could just rent a free game. And uh, multiple times, we rented this game called Mercury Meltdown Remix. Now, it's hard to describe, I think. Uh, I showed Jay very briefly a little bit of what the gameplay looks like. It's You play as this little blob of mercury. Um, you're just like this little silver blob. And I think a lot of the attraction to it as a kid was just the... It was a very colorful, colorful art style. The physics were really cool for PS2 era. Like, the mercury would sort of drip off the side. Uh, but basically he plays this little blob of mercury and there are like levels that almost look like super monkey ball they're kind of you control the stage you move this little mercury around you're trying not to knock him off the stage you're trying to get as much of a percentage to the end as you can uh but eventually they start introducing different colors you can turn yourselves into i think in later games they introduce different elements but basically it becomes more of a puzzle game than it is like a monkey ball trying to just get to the end game i figured it out what? I knew it reminded me of another game. This is the way you sell, or you wouldn't sell this game to many people if you said it this way, but this is how you could pitch it. It's okay. Super Monkey Ball meets Death Squared. Oh, Are right, you yeah, with the, Death yeah, Squared? yeah, the newer game. Yeah. At least that little clip you showed me earlier reminded me a lot of Death Squared. Yeah, is, is sort of Death Squared, yeah. Um, watching it back now, it plays, and I think this is probably going to be true for a lot of the things we, we we're going to talk about. It looks like it plays a lot clunkier than you remember. Yeah, um, it, it looks it looks slow and plodding. Monkey Ball, you and I recently just booted that up and played like 30 yeah. minutes of it the other day. Monkey Ball still plays so well. It's fast and it's just like, you know, that Hotline Miami, you die, you go again, you die, you go yeah. again kind of thing. With Mercury Meltdown, I'm sure there was a bit of that, but everything was so deliberate and because it was more puzzle focused than it was just like get to the end focused... Uh, I, I'm sure that's not a great game anymore. Uh, I even had a PS3 version of it. Uh, I think it was like a, a free game at some point. And it was better. It was more polished. But that concept just doesn't sound fun to me yeah. anymore. And I think had it not been a kid, had it not had like a really bright, zany cover, uh, we never would have given it a shot. And I just don't think that game is very good. Upon looking at it, I was immediately like, this looks awful. <laughs> yeah. But then... Once I saw that it was you sort of like tabletop, you know, balance momentum style, like you're moving yeah. the mercury based on the, I assume it's like the motion controls on like the old controllers or whatever. Or yeah. was it the... It was, it was sticks. Oh, okay. It was like monkey ball. It seems like that would be better if it were the, you know, actual motion controls. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, now that I know it was sticks, never mind. Disregard everything I'm about to say. It is awful. <laughs> it was a fun game as a kid, but yeah. I don't think it's great. Now, here's a game that I desperately would like another of okay um and this is a game that is good and is revered as good but it is overshadowed by the other first party mascots of nintendo 
Okay. This game, Kirby. Oh, Nightmare yeah. in oh. Dreamland. Oh. Do you remember this game? Not specifically, but I played Kingdom of the Crystal Shard. This, to me, is the quintessential Kirby game. Okay, I'm going to look it up. Okay. Talk about it. So it's just your very classic, you know, 2D, full-on platformer, variety of enemies for Kirby to just suck on up, uh, plenty of powers. I believe this is one of the first games that sort of leaned into the sort of astral, like... Uh, I don't think you. I don't remember if you fight Meta Knight in this game, but I'm pretty sure Meta Knight makes a cameo in this game. Gotcha. Okay, uh, so it plays like the the older Kirby's. Yeah. Just the, on, this is on like game the Boy classical Vance. Kirby. This is not like the newer, like weird spin-off versions of Kirby. Right, right, right. Uh, and I don't have too much to say about it, other than to me, when I was a kid, based on the games that I had seen, I would have much rather played the likes of Kirby Nightmare in Dreamland than. Most of the Mario games. Oh, wow. Any of the Zelda games as a kid. Right, like as a little kid. Yeah. I just thought this game was like easy enough, but accessible enough and fun with the gimmick of obviously Kirby being able to suck up, steal people's powers. I loved that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just, it holds a special place in my heart because I did dig Mario, but I loved Kirby. Mm. I really did. And I almost gave a shout out to Kirby's Air Ride, but I'm like, to me, that's another one of those things I'm like, this is not Kirby to me. Right. It's a fun it's a tie-in. gimmicky of Kirby, but this yeah. is Kirby. Yeah. I played, I think it was called Kingdom of the Crystal Shard, the N64 one, mm. which is, it plays like the games you've described, but just in 3D. Similar, not nearly as transformative as Super Mario 64, but similar thing where you're taking uh-huh. the same, and honestly, Ocarina from Link to the Past. I don't know why that, don't get to, why that doesn't get brought up more, but um, it's obviously just them adapting it to a 3D style, and I love that game as a game. Yeah. There's something so fun uh, and kind of missed. I know they did more, more new Switch style uh, or Switch based Kirby games, but I kind of miss the creativity of if you combine this guy's power with this guy's power, mm. then I can do this. <laughs> and like as a kid, you know, not looking up stuff on the internet immediately or or, or having a Twitch chat to talk to or something, uh, just sort of the what do I think this is going to be? If I combine fire and air, what am I going to turn into? And then it's seeing, it's like, whoa, okay, cool. Um, so I, I think there is a very kiddish, wonderful quality to those games. Yeah. Uh, and I would, I would like to see more of them. You know, just as a little side note, has there ever been a less intimidating enemy in any video game than the little, like, basic Kirby enemy that's just, like, very cute face. He's got, like, brown skin, but the, or it's probably, like, fur. But then the face is lighter colored. It's yeah. just very cute. Like, yeah. this is not an enemy. <laughs> and you can suck him up and he doesn't even do anything. You just swallow him. Yeah. I love Kirby. Bring him back. All right. Uh, my my next one. I have sort of grouped four games into one here. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that they're necessarily... Well, they, they have a connective tissue. But uh, just not to talk about all of them in general. Uh, and all of them are good. But Peggle, Bejeweled, Zuma... And Plants vs. Zombies. Um, what was that third one? Zuma? What is that? Okay, so that's the one everybody responds like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, so these are all four PopCap games, uh, a studio I love and is owned by EA now and is not putting out as much games as they should. Um, so for a little bit, there was like this golden era of PopCap games where early PC games, well, not early in the PC's lifetime, but in my lifetime, um, some of the first PC games I remember playing they were sort of smaller experiences, uh, kind of 
what would and why they lend themselves so well to like apps it's kind of what apps were at like more mobile game focused stuff where it's like here's this one concept and we're going to do this a bunch of times a bunch of different ways yeah. but they're mainly puzzles um so peggle obviously we both sung the praises of that game a lot already uh bejeweled if you've played candy crush that is a carbon copy of bejeweled i don't know why popcap didn't sue them uh plants versus zombies is a game it's kind of like a tower defense game i guess but you're setting up plants zombies are attacking your garden and you have to stop them from getting into your house it's a very very fun game a game i come back to a lot i come back to all these games a lot and then zuma is i think this is for jay's sake i'm just going to show him a picture but okay. uh i think this is the the best way to show this would just be to uh to show you what this looks like so zuma okay not the way i thought it was spelled uh, zuma is a it's you have this little frog character in the middle of your screen and he has like a ball that comes out of his mouth going around you in a spiral is a bunch of different multicolored balls and the idea is that you combine three of them uh you don't want all the balls to get to the hole if they get to the hole you die okay i've played um, games of this ilk yeah before. so that's that's zuma uh and they're all pretty similar uh in in the way they they pace through themselves i don't know if you'll know this okay is did pop caps okay the idea for zuma that sort of shoot the ball hit the matching likes and yeah. eliminate them that was was that the first game of that genre i have no idea if so who are these people at pop cap and why are they so creative <laughs> yeah they they also made a game called chuzzle which was pretty cool um it chuzzle, was chuzzle peggle zuma <laughs> bejeweled uh yeah no they made they made a ton of PopCap maybe got away with being so creative because they made a ton of games that were shit. <laughs> so, like, they kind of were a throw something at the wall and see if it sticks kind of company. Uh, not shit, but, like, a Wizard's Pin. I own all of them because they did a Steam sale. A Wizard's Pin was actually kind of cool, uh, but there were some of those games, like Pizza Mania, and they just did some weird shit. But, Sounds uh, awesome. <laughs> it does. But, uh, yeah, no, shout out, shout out to PopCap. I love those games. I think they were critically acclaimed then. I think probably if you were going to go back and play one of them now, if we're talking the original, not any of the sequels, either Peggle or Plants vs. Zombies would hold up best, I think. Um, but Jewel just had better versions made. I mean, Peggle 2, I think, is better than Peggle 1. But Plants vs. Zombies, the one frustrating thing about, you know, what Plants vs. Zombies has become, similar to what you're talking about, Kirby... Like, Plant vs. Zombies has become the Garden Warfare brand, right? Yeah. Where it's like, oh, cartoony shooter, <clears throat> kids can play it, it's, it's you know, defend all these zombies. I want a true Plants vs. Zombies game again, because they play completely differently. The only t uh, connective tissue there is just these plant types and these zombie types. Yeah. Um, I know that Garden Warfare probably makes them a lot more money, but... <clears throat> I am gonna I'm gonna bang the drum for PopCap as long as I can until EA inevitably closes them. So <laughs> I'm I, I hope they live a long life and I love PopCap. I mean, at least let them go off and do their own thing before you sh shut up, shutter the doors. Yeah, I'm gonna go on a little. I'm just gonna lump a few games together here because they're sports games. Okay. Uh, and we're just gonna hit them all quickly. All right. The first one, the one that we watched a little bit out there, the one that is not actually good was MLB Slugfest. <laughs> I played 06. We watched little clips from 03. And basically, these were just crappy MLB, like the actual licensed EA MLB sort of clones. Yeah. But they had the real licenses. It was the real teams. It was everything. The only twist was that it was slightly more arcadey, faster. You know, yeah. you could pitch the balls and they would do weird things or whatever. But the main shtick was, let's say you were the batter and you just got hit in the head by a pitch. You could go and just 
beat the living daylights out of the pitcher. Yeah. But what we learned earlier was that even though I did not, I felt like I remembered seeing the actual violence of this game. And maybe it was in an earlier maybe. version or something. They just completely cut away from the fight. Yeah. Had like the third ba- baseman being like, ooh. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> like these games were clearly not very good. Right. Uh, I really dug like some of the MLB games as a kid, but these, this was the one that stuck out in my mind and the one that I was like, okay, I'll stick to normal sports games unless you're like NBA street, like some of the yeah. legit, you know, to spinoffs throw, to throw one in here. That was made by midway, uh, who also made NFL blitz, which is on my list. And I'll just talk about it briefly now. Uh, very similar sort of case, uh, NFL blitz, real licensed NFL game. Um, sort of the precursor for like an NFL street, which I think took all the concepts and made it better. Uh, it was a little bit. So when we watched the Slugfest stuff, it really just looked like a regular baseball game, but you could hit people. Yeah. NFL Blitz had a little bit more arcadiness to it, but not a lot. Like the animations were a little bit more arcadey, like when they would catch a ball. Um, you could go leg drop some people. I remember that specifically. Uh, but yeah, it was basically just a hardcore version of NFL. And uh, I liked that game as a lot as a kid. A lot as a kid, we had it for N sixty four. And playing it now in like an arcade, uh, like in the barcade we go to, it's there's an arcade machine there that has NFL Blitz. It's still really fun, but it's not a scratch on the Maddens of that era. And I I appreciate them for trying something else, but they clearly didn't take it far enough into the something else to really make it something unique. Yeah, but see, that's a good <clears throat> segue into the games that we've also sung the praises of a little bit, which are the mid of the aughts of the 2000s Tiger Woods PGA Tour games. Yeah. I specifically put the range of 04 to 06 because these games took the classic pretty much full on simulation style of these games. Yeah. The gameplay was not arcadey but the stuff around it that they the dressing of it if you will was arcadey whereas like in 2004 you don't expect a simulation golf game. Anyone who's a fan of golf out there oh the Masters coming up this week. You hey, see a nice. Masters commercial on TV. It's yeah. the soft piano. Like, it's peaceful. It's yeah. calm. It's regal. And this game was it's intro. Like, Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2004. The intro was Party Up by DMX. <laughs> and that should tell you all you need to know, especially when it's cutting from these really zany, you know, sumo wrestler and, you know, cartoonishly Irish man. Right. Like, the characters were hilarious. The music and the announcers were fun, but it kept the core precision of the Tiger Woods gameplay that I really loved. Yeah. So all like respect to those games. PGA Tour is coming back. EA is bringing the PGA Tour license back to compete with the 2K. We're going to have two it's warring a, golf franchises. And golf, I, can't, I can't wait. It's a golf renaissance, Jay. You're so it's excited. Great. It's, what a time to be alive. And it's funny because Tiger Woods is going to be with the 2K one now. No, he's in. Oh, he's with the yeah, EA one. Yeah. Okay, he's back. Uh, I thought they swapped for some reason. Uh, so, quick aside. Okay. Someone was telling me <laughs> the way you said okay. That was great. Someone was telling me recently that there is a there is a I think in two K's golf game there is a battle royale mode where it's like a race to the pin kind of thing. I have two K's golf game. Okay. Uh, I don't. Maybe they're is, bringing it there or something. I don't know. Or maybe I, there is sort of a ra- racing. I don't know to what degree. Like how many players are in sure, like a single okay. thing. But there you can do like a maybe like a four or five person where it's more of a race. Huh. Interesting. Uh, and I don't know if you're like penalized, if you can do like, even if you got into the hole in five strokes, but faster than someone else did it in four. Right. I don't know if that counts against you. Yeah. Or like I, how wonder, that works I was exactly. wondering that too, but, but yeah, that is a mode. Okay. For sure. Gotcha. Okay. What is uh, your next? Pick? My next game. Sorry. I, I was, 
so enamored. You were so by, caught up. By golf, golf is games. just a lovely game. Yeah, I sent Jay just greatest game ever played movie with Shia LaBeouf. That's a oh understand. Sorry, that was a very confusing sentence to decipher in my head. You said greatest game ever played, movie with Shia LaBeouf, and I was like, "There's a game called Movie and Shia LaBeouf's in it." Um, so yeah, I sent Jay just the opening of Tiger Woods 05, which was the one I played a lot yeah. of, and I was very nostalgic for it because it's just so funny to see like. <laughs> like Arnold Palmer and then this guy who has a pool cue like spinning it around and then like Jack and then there's a guy with just like a, a Wild West gun and it's just it's hilarious I'm so happy to hear Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer shouted out on this podcast <laughs> not by you no <laughs> uh, alright so uh, next up I have a game that is I actually saw a video in the recommends that was why this game was so good um, so I felt sort of uh, solidified in my take that Return to Castle Wolfenstein oh, yeah. was an awesome game. So this was my first real foray into a shooter, I think. Um, my dad always played PC games growing up, and you're going to see the influence, I guess, with PopCac we already have. But uh, a lot of my forays into sort of more adult games uh, was through PC. And I remember sort of the Medal of Honor uh, era pre-Call of Duty. I remember like Quake and Unreal Tournament, Unreal Tournament specifically. But the one that I remember the most of is Return to Castle Wolfenstein. It's actually a game that I did a video for on YouTube and in retrospect because uh, I'm so nostalgic for this game. But the online specifically, which people are apparently still playing. I saw a video on YouTube that said Return to Castle Wolfenstein online 2020. So I don't know if there's still lobbies out there for that. Excuse me for that game. But uh, that was fascinating. But this game is just. I think it was a little bit ahead of its time with sort of the way the multiplayer worked, specifically where like you had classes and there was like a medic who could go around and revive people who were downed. And um, it was the first game I really remember having sort of legitimate classes. One of the first games I remember having like a voice chat uh, option. I can't remember if that was built into the game or if that was on like a Ventrilo, if you're old yeah. enough to know what that is. But um, just the idea of having this online shooter in sort of a more realistic not that Wolfenstein is uber realistic, but, uh, you know, More so than doom, <laughs> right. In this semi-realistic setting. Um, and just the story was really fun. It's, it knows when to be silly and it knows when to be serious. And even sometimes like the older Hitman games, when it's taking itself serious, it is silly. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I just, I'm very fond of this game. The shooter, the shooting as someone who played it recently ish holds up pretty well. A lot of times when you go back and play some of these older shooters, they feel so slow. Um, but there were a lot of sensitivity adjustments you could make. Uh, there was a lot of plotting and and I and like enemies dropped their guns that you could pick up. I remember that was a big thing, yeah. and it was it was just really cool. I, I like that game a lot. Tanner, what I'm realizing as I look at some of these games that I was playing was that I must have just grown up, well, you too, <laughs> in <laughs> one of the golden eras for American exported or exported to America anime mm. because as we've discussed at length and as I said it was one of my hype announcements <laughs> you know one of my franchises that is very beloved to me is Yu-Gi-Oh yeah and one of the games you know prior to Yu-Gi-Oh hang on I gotta get the full title right Yu-Gi-Oh do this the one I just platinumed it's a stupid long title for the one I played <laughs> yeah, on PS4 Legacy of the Duelist Legacy of the Duelist Link Evolution I know that's it's what it is something. 
But the original Yu-Gi-Oh game that was really great that I loved was Yu-Gi-Oh Duel Academy. Mm, you remember Duel Academy? I do. I think that was the game I played. Duel Academy was great because it was set in the Yu-Gi-Oh GX, you know, the sequel series to the original Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. Um, you start as Jaden. Well, no, in this game, you were just you. But all of the GX characters sort of made appearances. And the sort of format of Duel Academy, both the game and GX as a show, was you're on this island. There are three levels to this Duel Academy. There's Slifer Red, named after Slifer the Sky Dragon. Uh, Raw Yellow, named after uh, the Winged Dragon of Raw. And Obelisk Blue, named after Obelisk the Tormentor, which was my favorite. Gotcha. Not just because it was the highest rank at Duel Academy, but because Kaiba had Obelisk, ah, the, Dorm- Obelisk the Tormentor. <clears throat> and in this game, you know, you're sort of playing through a facsimile of the story. Good word. Um, but you actually could just duel random people, and based on your wins and losses, you would ascend from Slifer Red right. up to Yellow up to Blue, and or you could go back down if you lost. That was such a cool thing for me where, like, obviously I knew nothing about RPGs as a kid playing this on, like, my... I probably played this on Game Boy Advance okay, before I played anything else. I was picturing else. this on a Game Boy, so I think I am thinking of the right game. Um, and a lot of these games, I loved. I have had, I had, oh gosh, so many Nintendo handhelds. Mm. Started with a Game Boy Color, had an Advance, an Advance SP, a DS, a DSi, the long forgotten DSi. Tanner's <laughs> digging out something over here. I feel like he's going to pull something surprising out on me. DSi, a 3DS. And my Game Boy oh, Color. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Mine was yellow. Wait, hold on. Oh, man. Here it comes, people. Oh, it's not turning on. Oh, no. Oh, no. Is the, the battery dead? Oh, no. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. Keep talking. I'll vamp for you a little bit. I'll just keep talking about Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, so, Sly for the Sky Dragon, probably the worst and most useless of the Egyptian god cards. Um, entirely contingent on the number of cards you had in your hand. The attack and defense were multiplied by a thousand based on the number of cards you had in your hand. Uh, that's why I liked Obelisk. Obelisk, you started with 4,000 attack and defense. It's easy. It overpowers pretty much every other monster. There's no need to do any of this unnecessary calculating. You put him out there, he's going to curb stomp the opponent. Raw, in the anime, way too powerful. Opie started out in the orb. They transferred the, uh, someone else used Raw in the uh, Battle City tournament. And then freaking Merrick just reclaims control of Raw with his mental powers or something. These Millennium items in this show are way too overpowered. Kaiba, Obelisk the Tormentor, that was the way to go. Simple, effective, and Kaiba was just cool. Kaiba is the Vegeta, and Vegeta is the Kaiba of these respective animes, and that's why I love them so much. And now I'm eagerly anticipating the sound because I've been thinking about it now. I can't even emulate it. <clears throat> it's going to sound so amazing. Are the batteries in? I'm hyping it up so much, and we might not even it hear it. might not even work. We'll see. Uh, I just wanted to pull my Game Boy. My Game Boy, it worked What cartridge recently. in it? Pokemon Puzzle Challenge, baby. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I didn't even think of that game. <laughs> we'll talk uh, a little bit about Pokemon here in just a second, actually. Yeah, no, I, Duel Academy is set up basically that's like, why is this not working? I do <laughs> sad. Uh, it's basically Hogwarts for Yu-Gi-Oh. Yes, 100%. Which is dope. Uh, I remember this pretty vividly. What's the power switch? <gasps> hey! hey! <laughs> we got there. Hold on, I'm going to run it back one more time. That sucks, because in my head, I was actually thinking of the advanced sound, which the is the... Wah! Wah! Yeah. Bing! 
Not as good as my Guitar Hero sound. One more but. time. <laughs> it's so satisfying. Okay, anyway, <laughs> thank you for vamping. Yeah, Dual Academy, great game. Early introduction to some semi-RPG elements. Mm. That was cool. Okay. And it was actually, I think, a pretty good game for the time. Yeah. Uh, right, okay. How many more do you want to do? I have three more roughly okay i may do i'll happily cut one of them i was gonna say i may do a lightning round at the end i have a that's fine uh i want to bring up crash bash crash bash is my favorite party game of all time uh as someone who loves mario party i'm also going to throw in fusion frenzy here i have both those as separate uh things but i can kind of lump them into one uh so crash bash was the game i remember playing most at my babysitters who was my childhood best friend's grandmother and so he would just bring his ps1 uh we would play that together and the game we played most was Crash Bash, which is similar to a Mario Party. Um, there's, you, you know, there's set up mini games, but not structurally similar to a Mario Party. There's not a board game. Um, the way we played it most was sort of this co-op way of playing it, where it was set up. If you've ever seen the Crash Bandicoot levels, where there's you you go up and down floors. Well, specifically Crash Three uh, and Crash Two, I think, are both like this, where you have these different doors in front of you. You walk into one, and then that's the level. Uh, that's how Crash Bash was set up. So each one was just the mini game of that area. Each each area had like five mini games, and then a boss, and then the next level had five mini games, and then a boss. That's how it was structured. So it was actually like a story mode. Mm. Uh, but the mini games were so unique and so fun. Now, granted, I'm sure Mario Party has emulated some of these, but Mario Party, their mini games are sort of smaller 30-second experiences, right? Where these were like two, three minute experiences, uh, which I enjoyed more of because you could sort of get down early and still come back or like mm. you could give yourself a fighting chance. Uh, Fusion Frenzy is also like this where it's sort of round based mini games as opposed to just like little tasks uh, like Mario Party. I love Mario Party. Don't get me wrong. I'm a huge Mario Party fan. Um, but there's something so special about that style of like you can play a mini game game as a story mode. That's so interesting. Uh, I loved Crash as a character anyway. All the, uh, like, different characters in that universe are not nearly to the level of Mario characters. But it was fun enough, and it didn't really matter who you played. Um, but yeah, I just enjoy those mini games a lot, and it's a game I, I find myself itching for a lot. And uh, Fusion Frenzy is very similar, and uh, I, I want one of those types of games to come back. Yeah. Question. Yeah. You said you were going to consider doing a lightning round. Is that because you have that many more games than me? Uh, I have a few, but not... I, no, I got... I like the idea. Okay. You're going to do a lightning round once I get through a couple more. All and right. then I have a little thing that I'm going to do. Okay. Yeah, yeah, So Cool. We got a little you know, tag on the end of each of ours. But my next game, a one that we also just watched a little bit of footage of earlier. Yeah. And you also were thrown back a little bit by it was Arctic Thunder. Mm-hmm. Arctic Thunder, a pretty classic arcade game. Yeah. Anyone who's ever That's... been to it. We were acknowledging that our local bowling alley yeah. like had a little arcade off to the side. And this is definitely one of those games where you would sit in the snowmobile faux chair yeah. and drive around. And I love that it's a snowmobile. Me like, too. Who in their right mind would make a snowmobile game? <laughs> I don't know. Let alone one that was pretty much taking Mario Kart power-up elements yeah. and then cranking the speed up to like 14 and letting you like shoot rockets at other people yeah. and drive through giant skull faces in the cliffside of a Himalayan <laughs> Yeah, that mountain. was bizarre. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty much the entire sales pitch for the game. It's a little uh, warm. I'm going to go. It's a little over-the-top, fast and frenetic at times. Like It doesn't control as smoothly as a game like Mario, but of course, it's an arcade game. Like You see these arcade games. They're meant to be just 
that rush of adrenaline. We were saying that this is definitely this kind of game where you would be playing it and you would feel those cool puffs of like air like hitting your face yeah. from the machine. Uh, yeah, it was just a cool game that I'm nostalgic for because I used to play it. I didn't really play the arcade version very much. I played it on Xbox, the original Xbox, mm. at my friend John's house. Uh, he had a huge TV, like a giant TV. <laughs> nice. Uh, for like 2004 or whatever yeah, yeah. Like year this probably was. Like 32 inches. No, 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 I'm. This was probably like a seventy inch, but probably. Oh wow! Probably the was box like ones? four feet deep. Yeah, yeah that's um, the first. Yeah, my family had one of those too. Yeah, it was not that super big. fun to play on a big old setup like that. Uh, is it good? Meh. <laughs> yeah, but it was fun. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I still think Crash Bash is good. I, I, I think Crash Bash is pretty good. That would be a great, just get drunk with friends and play kind of game. Absolutely, break out a PS One. Because everybody has one of those. Uh, all right. My next game uh, is a game that we watched briefly called Virtua Fighter 4. Uh, now, I've I've made tiny references to this already in the, in the podcast when we're talking about launch games. But I don't know why I own this game. <laughs> I have no idea why I, as a kid, was into this game. I'd never played a Virtua Fighter game before or since. I don't know if it was just like a cheap buy mm-hmm. or something. But uh, another one of those games that we would play at the babysitter's house. It was a fighting game, very similar to like a Mortal Kombat. Stylistically looked similar to Mortal Kombat. Character-wise looked more similar to like a Street Fighter. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of somewhere in the middle. I think this is like a Sega property. And some of the just absolute nostalgia when I watched this, because I haven't seen gameplay of this game in a long time. Um, specifically, there was a level set in the snow where I remember as a kid going like, whoa, the snow moves when they move through it. And like we would just we would get, load up the level... And not even fight each other for a little bit and just, like, move around in the snow. Um, It kind of had the pseudo 3D thing. So Mortal Kombat is just side-on versus side-on. Where uh, this game is a little bit more like you can move forward and back and the camera kind of adjusts to you. Uh, It's a game that has, like, ring outs and things like that. It's, It's not any different than your standard fighting game. I'm sure there is a reason Virtual Fighter doesn't exist anymore. Uh, I'm not... The game looks kind of clunky and slow based on also watching uh, some Mortal uh, Mortal Kombat gameplay from the same era. We'll talk about that in a minute. But that that game is probably not a game that holds up well, but introduced my, along with Mortal Kombat games, my enjoyment of fighting games. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'd say it's probably not great to pick up and play now. And that space was getting just uber crowded yes yeah you know, for sure your mortal Kombat, your street fighters your uh what's tekken. the uh, tekken yeah there's the one uh the one that was uh where they brought over the individual characters for uh each console like link was on the nintendo oh, version soul caliber soul caliber yeah like all the you know cropping up in the late 90s yeah. the space was just very crowded yeah and i've never been a huge fighting game guy even though i was just talking about injustice earlier <laughs> yeah uh my next game is as i said we were talking i talked a little bit about pokemon or i alluded to pokemon yeah and this is maybe among the games that are like actual what i'll call actual pokemon games where you catch pokemon and you battle and that sort of thing yeah this is maybe the most like under the radar one of those okay but hit at the perfect right time for me which is pokemon xd gale of darkness Mm. um this is sort of the successor to uh, pokemon coliseum okay uh had that same style of battling, but this was much more of a not open, but sort of a story where there were were towns and little areas to explore where you could catch Pokemon. There's a little, and this is, 
I completely invented this in my head, this memory. Okay. There is a like a seaside town All right. in this game. And I don't know how that town and this song became intertwined in my memory. Okay. But for years, I could have sworn that in the game, while you were walking around that town, the song Got to Get You Into My Life by Earth, Wind, and Fire <laughs> was playing. Like, I could have sworn that that was in the game. Okay. It definitely wasn't. Were your parents just listening to it when know. you played it or something? I didn't even know that it was an Earth, Wind, and Fire song until probably two years ago. I love it. Like, but I like so I knew that song and thought of it as being from this game more than I thought of it as being an actual popular song. <laughs> um, That's so funny. How did you discover that you did this? Because I remember the "Got to Get You Into My Life." I remember so the you, song. Did you hear the song and go, "I don't know"? Oh, okay. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> right. The, the rhythms must be somewhat similar. We'll look it up right. after this, and we'll let well, you decide. Ask, how but, did adult you discover that you had this memory, is what I was asking. Well, because I had the memory, and then I was like, maybe this is a real song. Oh. And I was like, and, so you and I remembered the lyric, and I was like, this is an Earth, Wind, and Fire song? <laughs> Why was Earth, Wind, and Fire in Pokemon? Then I was like, clearly this didn't actually happen. Yeah, but a Pokemon not one to use licensed music. No, especially like a 70s <laughs> disco R&B. Like, that would have been awesome. And it, it fits the vibe of the town sure. perfectly, which is probably why I invented this thing that never <laughs> happened in my head. But anyway, you know, there was a dark Lugia. There was you had a Espeon and Umbreon, some of the cool uh, Gen 2 Pokemon. Yeah, it was fine. <laughs> I will say I'm, I'm just never, glad that I didn't even plan on telling that story. But then I'm, it I'm came to mind that it was much better for that. Uh, I, I will say I played. Pokemon Stadium for the first time uh, recently, and was it state? Did I? Is it state? Stadium's the one that this was a sequel to, more so. But well, what's Coliseum? That's Coliseum, a game too. So Stadium was in sixty four. Stadium yeah. two was in sixty four. Coliseum was GameCube. Okay, then, and then yeah. that was GameCube. Okay, um, so I think you're right in saying yeah, that in the same lineage. Yeah, uh, but Pokemon Stadium style gameplay was really fun and mm-hmm. made me want to explore those kind of games. But I never got into. I, I didn't own a Nintendo console. Uh, I didn't own a, a GameCube, so I never got into that. Um, I'm sure I would have bought it had I owned one. I don't know why I slowed down so much there. Had I owned one. Uh, okay, I'm going to give a shout out. How many more games do you have? Well, I have the games that I want to talk okay, about. Okay, so I should as do my lightning round now? No, or do, in- do one more, then I'll talk about these, and you can do your lightning round, and I'll do my thing. Right, okay. Uh, so my one more is going to be a game that I think a lot of people know of now, uh, and a lot of people probably knew of then. But it's ATV Off-Road Fury. I almost put these on my list. (laughs) Uh, Specifically, the first one. Mm. Uh, I went back and made sure it was the first one. And how I found it, I did a very you thing, I imagine, or something we both would do, which is I looked up the soundtrack. Yes. Because all these games played the- Papa (laughs) Roach. Spoon Man was the song. Where I was like, I know Spoon Man was on one of these songs. Or was on one of these games. Um, So it's ATV Off-Road Fury 1. Specifically, though, not just the sort of- I can't speak to how good the racing gameplay was. No. <laughs> I didn't really care. The free roam yeah, was where 100%. it was at. 100%. Which was basically just almost a tech demo. It was basically just, here's an open map. Go drive around. There's some stuff to do every now and then. But uh, I was obsessed with that as a kid. Specifically, just listening to the soundtrack was awesome. And there was a part on the map, and I saw on YouTube someone else had done this. There was a part on the map 
where you could, if you drove into it, it was like the edge of the map. Yeah. And if you drove into the edge of the map, it would fling you back. Yeah. And that was the thing. I would just, we would just do that and die laughing Absolutely. all the time. It was so fun. I did the same thing. I hear, uh, I can hear getting away with murder, the Papa Roach song in my head right now. I'm just like hitting that wall and just. <laughs> off in the cross and off. Uh, <laughs> didn't think I would sing getting away with murder today. Uh, no, I, that game, I literally could not tell you anything else about it. No. Because all I ever did was free roam, but that part made it fun. And I'm pretty sure that, because I remember 3 and 4, MX versus ATV Off-Road Fury 3 and 4, yeah. were the ones that I probably played the most. And it that same mechanic was in there, nice. for sure. So that must have been, that was probably just the way they solved a map edge, and then people were so into it. Yeah. They're like, all right, we got to make it a staple. Yeah. No, that was super, those games were just fun. Yeah, they were fun. They really were. All right. So the... The games that are the nearest and the dearest to my heart, absolutely, okay. that I've alluded to, and we, I will talk about these forever, is the Budokai series. Yes. Both the original Budokai trilogy and the Budokai Tenkaichi trilogy. Now, here's what I'll say. I think I can pretty empirically say that Dragon Ball Z Budokai, the first one, not very good. Mm. Very stripped down Mortal Kombat style of, a, you know, your moves are limited. Yeah. The cut, it's there's no creativity to the story. It's just a rip off, it, or it's not a rip off. It is the like a Saiyan, direct translation. The Saiyan saga, the Frieza saga, and the Cell saga. Yeah, Budokai Two. I appreciate what they tried to do with the board game setup, with and the weird sort of alternate takes on some of these. When you meet some of these characters, it's the same story, but you're meeting characters at different times in different places. Uh, but sometimes you, the fact that I'd have to beat a character like an uber powerful villain five times before it actually oh, counted, I was like, I don't yeah, like that. That's, that's not super fun. But then there was Budokai three. Oh, Budokai three actually is pretty well regarded as good. Okay, uh, had like an explorable overworld that you could fly around, um, collect the Dragon Balls, make wishes, like that sort of thing. Nice. Uh, the combat was the most refined. Uh, had some interesting additions where like you had if you clashed into an enemy like both doing an attack you would do like a little mini game within a fight where you're like who could spin like the thing fast oh, the right. stick fast okay. enough nice. to win like the encounter like a Mario Party game uh, it was cell shaded so the, the visuals actually looked pretty good and kind of fit the style of the series yeah so they definitely got progressively better in the Budokai series in the Budokai series then you jump to Tenkaichi and those three games run together for me okay. because they're all pretty much the same. They're all that same domed, frenetic, odd perspective that I really yeah. love. It's super unique. You were showing um, the gameplay earlier. They all hold that, and it's just to what degree do they add certain characters that aren't in other games and certain storylines that are like very tangential to the main story but that are legit. Like, yeah. Those games I love, too, because they don't derail the actual story. I don't love the games that take new weird takes on the story. I don't need that. Right. I want you to include real things from the anime or the movies that haven't been hit. Like, for example, in Budokai 3 was the first game to introduce Broly. And mm. I love Broly. Yeah. Uh, Broly, one of the worst backstories of any character, but man, is he cool. <laughs> like, or was cool to me as a kid. Yeah. Um, so it was like, I loved it when they just introduced real characters and real stories that I actually hadn't gotten to see before. Right. And so that happened intermittently through the, those three games are all pretty good. But I would also say probably at least two and three are good. One was very much a testing ground for that new sort sure. of perspective yeah. and fighting style. Uh, but yeah, I'll I'll beat the drum for them to bring back a game of that style <laughs> until they do it, which they never will. 
It's a shame. Not they really. They could, but... Uh, can I have another beer, please? Yes! Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. All right, lightning round time? Give it to me. So, uh, just some other games I put on this list. I'll talk about them as, as, as quickly as I can here. Well, I guess we don't need to go super fast, but... Uh, so, I wrote down... <laughs> I wrote down Doodle Jump... Now, granted, this is not fit our time period, but when I was thinking back of, like, middle school games, mm. I just thought, man, Doodle Jump probably sucks now. But at the time, when people first started getting, like, iPods and iPhones, oh, it yeah. was fucking awesome. God, the iPod Touch. Yeah, what a what a, what a time. Exactly. Uh, so, shout out to Double Jump, or Double Jump, Doodle Jump. <laughs> I almost said Double Tapped. Uh, so, that's us. The next one is Backyard Basketball. Um, was this like the backyard the baseball games? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So specifically the early editions of it, once they started getting more um, pseudo realistic, like once they got started into like the late PS2 era, they sucked. Mm. But when I was a kid, when this is totally just rose tinted glasses <laughs> here, but uh, when they were a little bit more arcadey, a little more silly, I'm, I'm lumping backyard football into this as well. Uh, they were just super fun. Again, I think. If, if, if you have any takeaway from this podcast, it's that arcadey sports games need to come back yeah. um, in a major way. And I I enjoyed the sort of kiddish take. I actually played backyard basketball on uh, a video recently. And my whole idea was like, can I moneyball backyard basketball? So all I did was I took because, you know, normally. OK, if you don't know what backyard basketball is, it's a it's a cast of kids. The kids are always the same. And then a cast of pros as kids. Yeah. So like, it would be like, oh, you know, you have you have Pedro, you have. Uh, I knew it was Pedro. Isn't Pedro always the one who's like OP? Yeah, Pedro's yeah. really small and really fast in any game. Um, then you have like, uh, oh gosh, what's her name? Uh, Christy Yamaguchi? No, that's the real person. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's inspired. That's her inspiration because she's like a figure skater. Okay. Um, but you have her, you have, uh, just all these, these kid characters and then the commentators are kids, which they're just, you know, adults, but pitched up. And then you have like kid Shaq, kid, Kevin Garnett, kid, Tim Duncan. And so the idea is that you get like, oh, Jocinda was a character that I just remembered. Um, you get all of these. You get all these, like, you have a shooter, you have your big man, you have, like, maybe your your small forward mm. or whatever. It's three on three. But I thought, what if I just get all shooters yeah. and I play small ball and I destroyed yeah. the game? Uh, you I be- followed the modern trends of actual basketball. Yeah, I, I was just, I, I think it'd be an interesting series to go back and see if that trend works in older <laughs> basketball games. Um, but, yeah, backyard basketball, backyard football, very fun games. Uh, my next in my in my lightning round here is Civilization 3. Uh, I'm glad that we're putting it here because I don't know whether it's good or not. I think it was good at the time. It's hard to tell now because it's so much slower than modern Civ. Uh, and I've played so much more of modern Civ than I had of Civ 3. Specifically, what I want to shout out of Civ 3 was my dad would play it and I would like help with decision making, but he would just be like, oh, maybe we want to put this over here, you know. But the one thing he let me have full control of that was unique to that game was that if you got enough renown amongst your amongst your people, you got to build a palace. Mm. And as you built your palace, you had a bunch of different options of like what you could do first or what you wanted to focus on or the styles or whatever. Shocker that I'm a graphic designer now, but that I loved that. I was like, oh, I want to put this here and all this stuff. So you let me do that. 
Um, the rare MML, MMO shout out here. Uh, my dad and his group of friends played a lot of WoW. I didn't play a lot of WoW. Uh, I would just like help them grind when my dad was at work and his other friends wanted to play. I'd be like, yeah, I'll hop on his account. Which, looking back on it, really funny to me that like his 27, 28 year old friends were like, yeah, we'll play with a nine year old. That's fine. Um, <laughs> which in the Twitch era would have been very different. Um, but. Then there was an MMO that they shifted to. They did Guild Wars later, but in between those two, they played a game called City of Heroes. Do you know anything about this? No. This is sort of the precursor to uh, the DC MMO. Whatever that's, oh, uh, whatever that's DC called. Universe Online. Yeah, DCUO. Um, where it wasn't tied to any franchises, but you could make your own superhero. And the idea was you fought all these supervillains and all that kind of stuff. But it was an MMO. As a kid, I thought that was the coolest thing. So none shit of ever. the characters in this were actually like licensed characters? I don't think so. They may have added them later, but I, I definitely don't think they were at launch. I would love to see the villains. <laughs> yeah, me too. And see like what they went for. Um, okay, only a few more now. Uh, two more, actually. Mortal Kombat Armageddon, I alluded to earlier. The story mode of that game specifically is so weird, but I loved it as a kid. Uh, I loved Bo Rai Cho specifically. And uh, I just remember a very vivid memory. I'm going to tell you about this. Uh, my dad used to work at a radio station. And on Sundays, it was kind of like the slow day. So he would just like bring me in and we would bring our PlayStation and play Mortal Kombat in between audio, in between songs. Because all he had to do was like say the breaks. Yeah. So he'd be like, all right, now we're moving on to this. And then we'd just go back to playing Mortal Kombat. So I remember playing it in a little small radio station booth. And uh, it's a very specific memory to me. <laughs> And then lastly, uh, the Rocket Power game on PS2, which we watch gameplay of, uh, looks like any of the other, like, SpongeBob THQ games that's made by THQ. I referenced Rugrats. (laughs) Right, yeah. There have been several, like, reclones of, like, a, you know, cartoon turned into video game. You sort of go around, collect everything. There might be a little bit of combat. This game also had skateboarding. We watched it, and it looked bad. Uh, it looked very slow. It looked like a fake Tony Hawk, but not in a good way. Not like Disney Skate Adventure, which is not a game I would shout out, but it's also a, 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 a it's just Tony Hawk reskinned. Um, that game probably wasn't that great, but I called my mom and I was like, hey, mom, what games do you remember me playing as a kid? I'm doing a thing for the podcast. And she was like, OK, she was like, you had a rocket power or she said she said Rocket League at first. Oh, he, I was like, I mean, like, yeah, I do love Rocket League, but that's newer. And she's like, oh, what was that skateboarding cartoon? I was like, oh, rocket power. I completely forgot about that. So that's my my last honorable mention. That game looks terrible now. Um, so my takeaway is, you know, it's kind of a mixed bag as far we as kids. Yeah. You know, you as a kid, you're far more likely to find the good in something, I think, especially when you don't know what good games really are. Very you, much. You just play what's put in front of you. Um, but sometimes you hit a you hit a legitimately good game, and then other times you just enjoy stuff that other people may not find the enjoyment in. Yeah, I think Sonic was the best example of that for me. Like, mm. you have to expect a kid is gonna like Sonic. That's like one of the first things they're exposed to. Sure, yeah. super fast, royal blue hedgehog. Yeah. Anyway, my last thing, okay. I'm gonna put out two pleas to the audience. Oh, okay. And to you as well. All right. Because these are games that I'm nostalgic for, but and yet I don't remember what they're called or what where they came from. <laughs> okay. So it's this is more of an archaeological thing that we're doing right now. All right. The first one, it was a strategy game, a game that I or a genre that I barely touch ever. Yeah, this is a surprise. But I played it again. My friend John, who I was, he was my one of my best friends growing up, and I would Shout go out. to his house and he had a PC. Yeah, and it was sort of like a, it was one of those things where it was just one v one, army battling game, 
but it was like Roman Empire maybe was the setup. Okay. And you could summon these like titans that would sort of make your army more powerful. I know this is a well-known, or I think this is a pretty well-known game or franchise, and I just don't know what it is. There's like, I know there are games like Total War Rome is like a thing. That's the I, one I was thinking And of. I don't know if this is that. Um, yeah, Rome Total War. That's yeah. what I was looking up. What's the release date on that? Uh, September 22nd, 2004. That's that's a pretty good... That's possible. This is, that's entirely uh, possible. Oh, that's the second one. Sorry. I remember it being darker than the little pictures that I can see from there. I don't know. Maybe there was a precursor to this. Okay. Something like that. But we're in the right ballpark for sure. Yeah. The second game. And I don't think I'll ever find this game. Okay. This, I put the e- easier maybe to find one first. And I don't even have the great description for you here other than this is what i wrote down a top down ish hack and slash maybe a bit evil maybe zombies dreamcast game <laughs> <laughs> all right um all i like can vaguely remember is like walking across a rickety like wooden uh bridge with like you know and that sort of the perspective is that like semi top down but angular top down okay dungeon crawler kind of perspective yeah and yeah, you just like fought zombies. <laughs> All right, <laughs> something like that. Sweet. It's just weird, like that Dreamcast. Like my brother had a Dreamcast. My brother's eleven years older than me. Yeah. Um, so he was playing games that I probably had no business playing, but and that might have been one of them. But for whatever reason, that is a very vivid memory in my head, and that hmm. weird controller and those, oh, the discs. I love the way Dreamcast discs look. I don't even know if I they know had what they like, look the, like the the uh, orange swirl that was like the uh, logo for the Dreamcast. I think. I wonder. I feel like they all had a similar format. I could be wrong, but there was like orange and black. Okay. Something like that. I don't know. Maybe that was just a particular game or something. Oh, okay. I see. I kind of see what you mean. You know? Yeah. That. This one? Yes, okay, 100%. So just the GD-ROM, apparently, is what it was called. I'm showing yeah. it to the, the that video exact audience. Look, man, takes me back to when I was like five. One. Sega Confidential. But yeah, that's my plea. If anyone knows it, I'll... I'll go. Di- I'll dig myself. I just. I really want to know what those games were. There you go. Anyway, let's talk. I'm gonna, you know, spin off here. Okay. Because we're going on to our recommendations. Yes. Games that I said I wouldn't talk about then that I'm going to talk about now and that I've been playing a little bit. Yeah. And I'm going to appeal to the masses. Uh oh. This is. We're going to speak with our wallets. Okay. We want Tony Hawk remastered three and <laughs> three four. Three and four. So play Tony Hawk's. Pro Skater 1, one and, and two, 2 remastered because it's fantastic mm. and it's even better on PS5 on the modern consoles runs better um, it can play at 120 frames per second if you have a monitor or TV capable of that yeah. I don't at the moment I'm itching to do that though um, but even still the visuals are sharper but the gameplay is sharp as it's ever been mm. one of the sharpest gameplay series ever made and still holds up in every regard so you love you love the soundtrack, you love the gameplay, you love it all. I'm telling you, you do, and you should go buy it if you haven't. <laughs> Support a good cause. Dang it, now I want to play it. <laughs> uh, my recommends Moonlighter. I, I've been, like I said, I've been playing it a lot, and I know I touched on it in the opening, but uh, it's one of those games that's just always in the back of my brain, and I am like seconds away from just spending an hour playing it. It is one of the preeminent podcast games oh yeah it's Ooh, so oh, good. okay okay it's so you don't have to hear anything in the game and it's b- beautiful for that you can kind of take your time um 
and just it's just enough of the randomness of the roguelite to keep you going uh the upgrades are legitimately fun to get and there are upgrades like you can get shop upgrades that help you out in ways that other games don't even have that kind of thing mm. um highly recommend moonlighter uh would not be surprised if it becomes a playstation now game at some point um but yeah moonlighter for the win i know i i mentioned this briefly i think it was last week that i'm tempted to get into the roguelike roguelike genre yes you being much more versed in this than me. Yeah. And I know you said wait for Hades, and Hades is probably a shining example. Yes. But since that's not really available to me as of yet. Yeah. What would you say is a really good starting point? Maybe this is a whole other can of worms that we can get into later, but... Sure. Uh, no, we can talk about it now. Okay, so I would say Moonlighter is actually pretty good if you're looking for Rogue Light. So do you know the difference? I know you explained it earlier. Do it again. Okay, so Rogue Light with a T, uh, L-I-T-E, is and I had to learn this when I played Hades because I kept saying the wrong thing. Roguelite with a T actually be let me restart. Roguelike with a K right. L I K E is you are put into you are playing and trying to get as far as you can. Like so, Binding of Isaac is the example I'm going to use here. Uh, you spawn, you get upgrades over time in your one run, and when you die, you lose everything and you restart from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Roguelite with a T uh, is. In between runs, you can upgrade yourself with gold that you get from your run right. or things you pick up. So it's a little bit less harsh uh, of a system. Mm-hmm. So I tend to prefer roguelites to roguelikes, um, but to each their own. I would say if you want a roguelike, Binding of Isaac is the way to go. Sure. That game is awesome, and they're still adding stuff to it. Uh, the most recent DLC, I think, is the last DLC. For roguelites, uh, I would recommend... Moonlighter, uh, Rogue Legacy is a great game uh, that I really enjoy. Um, like I said, Hades, if you can play it, which you can play it on Switch. So there's that. Oh, that's if, true. You're right. If, there's, if you really want to try it out. Oh, but I don't get trophies. You don't get trophies. Oh. That's what I'm waiting for. I played through Hades so many times, and I still want to play more of it, but I just keep telling myself, it's going to come to PlayStation eventually. Just wait. Just wait. Yeah. Um, those would probably be my three. I know people really like Enter the Gungeon. I just downloaded um, Into the Gungeon, actually. I It never really clicked with me, to be honest. Uh, but the nice thing about Roguelite is that that form isn't genre-specific. So, like, Rogue Legacy is sort of a Metroidvania ro- ro- roguelite. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, another good one, Dead Cells. Dead Cells is amazing yeah. uh, in a similar vein. That's actually not a bad one to start with, I don't think. Um, whereas, like, you know, uh, Moonlighter is more like Link to the Past as a roguelite. Uh, Enter the Gungeon is that perspective, but more as a shooter. Um, yeah, those are, those are probably the few that I would okay. recommend. Uh, Some of them I'm familiar of. with, but like, I know Rogue Legacy is always the one that I think of. Yeah. But just never have given it a shot. And I mean... It's really good. I enjoy the Metroidvania, but I'm just always like, am I going to feel like I'm sort of wasting my time in a game like this where you're... But I guess that's more of, like you said, a rogue like thing where it's like yeah how far can i really push this versus a game where there's actually some progression right maybe i'll give it maybe i'll dibble dabble give it a shot all right but for now that's gonna wrap it up for us no teases this week because we have no idea what we're gonna yeah do i was next. gonna say we've we been building this it? one up yeah. but we'll figure out something fun for you yeah we always good. do but until then we're tapping out